3: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time in the world, wherever it is you are tuning in from. If it looks like I've just got out of the shower, it is because I have just got out of the shower. Um, Damien, I hope you don't mind me indulging. Uh, It's not something that I want to do, but I do have to mention a certain football match that took place yesterday in northwestern England. I'm not sure if you are aware, Damien, but we had a historical result between my team, Manchester United, and uh, Liverpool. I don't know if the the offices of Warsaw, Wrocław and Gdansk have been full of conversation about this mauling uh, that Liverpool inflicted on Manchester United or even Polish social media, but uh, it's been all over my timeline for the last 24 hours. I don't know if there's been calls for uh, Thomas Kuszak to come out of retirement and save manchester united that's a name you didn't expect to hear on this podcast right damien
2: <laughs> definitely not i mean he wasn't really instrumental in manchester united in the past you know he was mostly just um a substitute for van der star so yeah um i don't know if he would help really especially at the stage where i think he's retired but um has it been uh, like big news um I-, I honestly don't know i couldn't tell you anything about offices but um I've, I've seen it on Twitter. <laughs> well, <I can laughs> yeah, that's my you. point. Is, if
3: you've seen it on Twitter somewhere, somehow, especially <laughs> if it came via a Polish journalist, uh, then uh, then it, that's why I'm saying it. The world is a much smaller place. You could have a, a whole defeat 10 or 15 years ago and maybe get away with it a little bit more easily. Uh, but it is a perfect moment for, you, for me to mention uh, I've got a book uh, all about uh, this exact subject, about recovering from defeats. And it's a nice segue, by the way, it's called Even the Defeats, and it's available in all lame and good bookstores. Talking of recovering from defeats, um, I'll begin with you, Damien. Uh, and hi, Mario, how are you? Uh, Mario's sitting, sit, sitting pretty, he's down there. But actually, in Italy, he's at the top of the table with Napoli. But um, anyway, listen, I'm gonna. it, it begins as a nice segue, because somebody who has suffered... 14 months of fairly painful defeats, uh, I would argue, whether that be Rafa Nadal, we all know the inflection point in that match at Love 40 in the third set, but even the the, the, the Nadal defeat a month later, which sort of made us realise, oh, okay, um, there is a, a, a thing going on, if you like, at least in terms of those two. But I could go on, of course, he had the hernia injury. I know that Shrihari disagrees with me on this point, but I do think there were certain moments over the last 12 months when it's like, there is a tactic. There is a a textbook way of playing against Daniel Medvedev. And certain players are exposing that. And I think even Novak Djokovic played that exact same textbook match on Friday, I think it was. He just executed it really, really badly. And the textbook, Damien, is slice, slice, slice second serve in particular when he's when Daniel Medvedev is so far, no sorry first serve return when Daniel Medvedev is so far back he's almost in a different emirate that um you come into the net and have an easy volley the, th- the thing is a couple of those easy volleys Djokovic horribly put into the net um anyway but let's go positive it's been a great three weeks for Daniel Medvedev right Damien?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of this conversation, I suppose, because I, I, I do agree that, um well, I, I, the slice, you know, people using slice against Daniel Medvedev is, was a pretty common thing, you know, since like 2019, I guess, you know, with yeah. his forehand technique, it's always going to be tough to play against it, uh, even with the backhand, which of and course backhand, is like as yeah. flat as a pancake. And uh, <laughs> it, it's pretty hard to get... um you know, to get it over the net sometimes from uh, from a very low ball. Uh, but um, yeah, um, we've seen a guy like Stefanos Tsitsipas in the Cincinnati final, especially, or was it a semi? Yeah, a semi uh, in Cincinnati because, of course, he lost the final to George. uh Abuse uh, servant volleying as a, as a tactic against against Medvedev, uh, even in some, of, uh, some later match that they played against each other. Uh, so I wouldn't say it was like a real textbook, I wouldn't say it's it's something that we've seen, um, especially in the second half of 2022. There was like a st- string of losses that Svantec had after that Garcia one war. So I think that was more uh, like, you know, someone just inventing the textbook and then people using it. This was more like some elements uh, that maybe, you know, other players also saw that you can... Um, yeah, you can uh, sometimes even really abuse them, like Tsitsipas did certain volley in Cincinnati. Just do it on every single point, and it actually <laughs> might work, because Medvedev is, is uh, sort of incapable of uh, trying something else when it comes to his returning position. Mm. Um, was what what happened on Friday? You mentioned that uh, Djokovic ad- executed this very poorly. Mm. You know, in a way, but maybe uh you know it, it's also not really his style at all. Like neither
3: of these things, uh, the he can in do them. Paris Bercy. I mean, that mm-hmm. was kind of another one of the Sorry to interrupt. It was names, different. Paris- no,
2: no, no, no worries, no worries. No worries.
3: Uh-huh. Okay, okay, Damien, what? Why was it different? <laughs> uh, what?
2: What was different? Sorry, sorry,
3: sorry, no. Um, Mario, you said it. <laughs> I say that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah, Mario. Mario. what? Tell me, Mario, why it's different, and I-, I will come back to you, Damien. I promise. No, first no of all,
0: I think that uh,
3: um, it, it was also a bit Novak's fault
0: if some of, if some players then t- tried to execute some um, like a textbook against uh, against Medvedev, like you like you said, because that was probably the first the real the first match in which uh, Medvedev even if uh, won that first set, then he was. Uh, uh, put into a lot of difficult situation due to his uh, return positions and all these things. But uh, I also think that um, there are some days and weeks in, in which it's very difficult to... Um, yeah, you, you have in your mind what you have to do sometimes, but uh, it can be very, very, very difficult then to... Uh, to execute that even because a uh, few players are um, uh, can do uh, can do that smoothly um I'm thinking for example uh, uh, about rublev uh, about the final uh, I think that rublev started the match quite well in my opinion even if he he, he was broken in the first game I think that the start was good but uh, as the match went on, uh, i I really didn't know um, how rublev c- couldn't um, could avoid that uh, um, that ending and so I remember that after the first game um, in which there there were a lot of good rallies and I think that rublev um, I repeat um, played well in the be- at the beginning. I um, I looked at my my dad and I I told him uh, okay five games <laughs> I I told him five games and I I I've been also pretty optimistic because uh, in the end it was six two six two but uh, I I was sure that the match would have um, gone in that way because. Um, uh, I think that uh, Medvedev now goes uh, more deep um, and uh, uh, he's more able, uh, he's been more able than the Australian Open in the last months of 2022 uh, to, um, to be fast in uh, starting uh, uh, a lot behind the baseline and then uh, going a bit forward, a bit forward uh, till uh, having the rally in, in his hands. Uh, like he did a lot of times, for example, in in that final.
3: I've just posted uh, in the live chat, uh, is Medvedev back? Uh, yes, three titles in a row, including beating Novak and some other top 10 players. No, he needs a bigger title. Damien, where are you on the Medvedev back scale? Um, 10. Uh, <laughs> I mean, can you really okay. say something else?
2: <laughs> I mean, he, he he was mostly unplayable for for the, for the like uh, you know ninety percent of these two of these three weeks. Uh, it's just a bit of a shame, I guess, for him that uh, you know there's not going to be a slam that he has done well in the past at uh, until um, August. So you know, there's no telling if he keeps up this form. I've always been on the train that uh, Daniel Medvedev is going to win a few Wimbledon's. <laughs> it okay. hasn't materialized, but I think with this flat ball striking with the big serve. Uh, he has he has his chances there, but of course, um, you know, Djokovic remains like a huge favorite. If only he he plays it, and of course he he will. They're not gonna ban him uh, this year, um, and um, yeah, it's just a big bit of a shame, I guess, for Medvedev that his next major that he can actually win is in like four months. Uh, well, yeah, four months from now. Uh, but of course, there are. Also, there's also the Sunshine Double incoming. I'm not actually sure he's going to do well there. Like, uh, you know, after after these few weeks, he's going to be quite tired mentally and physically. Also, Indian Wells has never suited him in the past. You know, the the high bounce, the, uh, the very, very slow court. And uh, potentially maybe Miami, but even there, he also hasn't been past the quarterfinals. But in terms of like whether this was uh, Daniel Medvedev at his very, you know, close to his very peak, uh, whether the February version, February and the beginning of March version of Daniel Medvedev that we saw was very close to his peak, I would say, yeah, (laughs) I'm going to say a 10. Even if he loses early in both Sunshine Double events, this isn't really like going to change my mind. Uh, I, I think it's going to be other factors rather than you know perhaps us overestimating his form after this after these uh, 14 wins in a row. I mean he's beaten everyone that there was uh, <laughs> you know uh, available let's say for top 10 wins, including one over Novak Djokovic, which of course is like yeah. the the biggest of deals in the tennis world right now. Um, pretty much was close to losing only once and not even to like one of his biggest rivals, but to Chris O'Connell. So um, yeah country I, I I can't really give you any other answer to that question than a 10 or maybe like a 9 point5 or something like
3: that I, I guess the the doubts Mario are still that um, you know it's it, 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 it's a long time a year to not not do great in terms of his ambitions and his talent and his his uh, reputation and then also it's been a 250 and two five hundreds in this run, and I guess the, the the I put no, he needs to win a bigger title, but he has been beating some pretty big big names. Um, wh- where do you stand on the Daniel Medvedev is back uh, scale, um, Mario? Um,
0: I have to say that uh, I I one hundred percent agree with what Damien said because um, I'm also thinking about. Uh, um, his level, the level uh, of tennis he showed, and uh, uh, also his uh, the mental side of his game. Uh, for me, in Doha, he he was fantastic because he had, in, in my opinion, uh, the poorest week uh, among the three in terms of tennis level. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, probably the first match against Davidovich uh, was uh, in in Rotterdam was the the lowest point. Uh, in these three weeks, but um I mean, even the fact that he he's been able to to do some stunning performances, for example, against the uh, uh, the final in in Dubai, also against Djokovic, he played a great match. But uh, I'm thinking also uh, about the um, the end of the final against Sinner. Um, uh, but he he's also been able to. To overcome a lot of um, sometimes a, a bit of issues, uh, um, I remember, uh, for example, in the second win against uh, Ojeda it was a breakup in the second. Then he didn't close the match, but still was able in the tiebreak to to refocus and to and to win in straight. And um, yeah, a lot of other things that show me that um, I think um, uh, his mental game has been. Uh, uh those of, of of the best days uh even if i know uh, i know that he it's not uh it's not uh, like a big title uh, a very big title in this uh, in this stretch but uh dubai we can consider uh this tournament as an in, an important 500 because uh of course uh, the the presence of djokovic and also uh, we saw a decent level from, from Zverev, and that was Rublev. He, watched, he was the defending champion. He reached the final. And Medvedev lost. Uh, um, had lost the, the two previous uh, matches against Rublev. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that uh, the signs are truly, truly positives.
3: Yeah, and of course, I mean, really, the players he's beaten are, during this run... They are players that you may you may get an easier run in a Masters one thousand. Uh, you could yeah. win a Masters one thousand, and you don't have to beat Yannick Sinner, uh, Davidovich Fokina in the first round in Rotterdam. I, I mean, I'm not saying Davidovich Fokina is the, 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 the heaviest of heavyweights, but first round that's a tricky one. Um, who else is he beating in this run? He's beating Djokovic, of course. He's beaten Rublev as well. Uh, Liam Brody. He beat Liam Brody, and I think the, the Liam Brody score, by the way, Damian, was exactly the same. as It was certainly straight sets, and I think just one break in each. I think it was 6-4, six, 6-4, four, six, four, and Novak Djokovic six, four, six three, Yeah, I oh, was it 6-4, six, 6-3, six, was it? I yeah. think. So Liam yeah.
2: won one less game than Novak. One so less game Liam than Novak. Liam is just like f- tiny,
3: you know, just like 2% worse than Novak. Okay. <laughs> but he was a breakup. <laughs> he actually broke Medvedev's serve in the first game, and I think he had a... Yeah, three- I remember. He had a fairly easy smash, unfortunately, that he put into the net, if memory serves me right. By the way, talking of horrible smashes, Djokovic did a really horrible one that came off the frame of the racket, the kind of one that you would see in, in, a, in a club. Uh, and I just think Djokovic did have a pretty bad day at the office, 38 unforced errors. I know we're focusing a lot on that match, but for me, that is the one that's probably the one that we're looking at in terms of Medvedev's 2 I, mean, I don't yeah? know why. Mm. Go on.
0: I don't know I I was thinking that um, yeah Medvedev could, could could win this one even even before the match because uh when you when you come into um, into this kind of match in this form knowing also that Medvedev is uh, able to create uh, some issues at uh, to to Novak in some days uh, and given the fact that um, yeah, still was uh, um what uh, I mean, what Dubai was for uh, Djokovic, it was um, like what Rotterdam was for Medvedev. Uh, first tournament after after the Slam, the Australian Open, and Djokovic, of course, won the the Australian Open. Uh, then the uncertainty to play um, to play the Sunshine Double. Line. I don't know if you can uh, probably uh, load just a little bit your Probably mental focus and determination. I don't know. There, there were some small factors that I, I was thinking like, uh, okay, uh, Medvedev's four losses in a row against Djokovic, but today he can, he can return to to the winning way. I don't know. I on, I I had this feeling also before the match and. Um, I don't want to evaluate that one too much because mm, there were a lot of uh, other positive signs in my opinion, in, in these 14 matches.
1: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You repel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
3: Yeah. Um, By the way, I just want to bring up this quote, and then I'll I'll come to you, Damien, on on a final Medvedev sort of of point. Um, I saw that when Novak is number one, I'm five and three, as in I think he's one... Five. Yeah, he's won five and lost three. And when he's not, I'm zero and six. So stay number one as long as you can, Novak, so that way he uh, feels there like is he has a chance of winning. Damien, is there anything you'd like to adjust that, that Mario and I have touched upon in the last sort of ten minutes?
2: Not really. I mean, um, yeah. What well, I said earlier that um, this doesn't really uh, make me think that over the next uh f- three, four months, Daniel Medvedev is going to be the best player in the world. He's probably not going to be. Uh, like if he if he wins one Sunshine Double event, I think it's already great for him. Given you know how he was doing in these events in the past, of course we're not expecting that much from him in the, on, in the clay season. Um, it would probably be like a, a pretty big surprise to see him win a title. I think he's made the final in Barcelona um, a long while ago. Of course he's also beaten Djokovic in Monte Carlo, but other than that, it's mostly been very slim pickings. Uh, but but yeah, uh, th- this was this was truly. Uh, very reminiscent of his peak it's just yeah it's it's not really giving him much in terms of major titles because well the majors that he can win are going to start in july maybe even august so um you know in terms of that uh, perhaps that's a bit of a sour note but of course that's not really something he can uh, do anything about and as you as you sort of said at the beginning um if you looked at the past 14 months of daniel medvedev there was a lot of frustration building up. There were some physical issues in there as well. So I'm sure this this must feel amazing for him and, and for his confidence going forward. Um, which, uh, yeah, which just tells me that perhaps in the second half of the season, uh, he's going to be an, an absolute uh, force and a threat to win uh, every title again.
3: Yeah. Interestingly enough, in the last three years since that Barcelona final, actually his best clay court performances have come at Roland Garros. I mean, maybe losing to Cilic last year was, but he's actually exceeded expectation at the French Open. Um, Anyway, uh, there was one more thing I wanted to add, but don't remember what it is. Oh, housekeeping time. Listen, statistically... There will be about 100 people that watch this video, maybe 200 if we're lucky. And maybe with, with stellar guests like Mario and Damien, we may even reach 300 uh, views. But about two-thirds of those, so about 200 people will watch this video and they did not subscribe. And we need subscribers <laughs> to keep going. Mario, they cannot believe it, that two-thirds of our viewers don't <laughs> subscribe <laughs> yet It's unacceptable. Very good. It's unprofessional. That's what Eric Ten Hag said. Unprofessional. Yeah. About Manchester United yesterday. So it's unprofessional to watch this video and not subscribe. And please do so, so I can keep having stellar guests such as Damien, such as Mario, and all the other people on this show, so we can keep going and uh, bringing you uh, more, more, more tennis shows. So please hit the like button and do not forget to subscribe. And it's completely free, and it's just one click away. Okay, listen. Let's move on, Damien. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Rublev. Are we in a kind of... Here we go again with Rublev. This, there's, there's a ceiling. There's the, the the air of frustration that that hangs over him. He takes these defeats hard. There were a couple of mini meltdowns on Saturday. Or have you got some optimism regarding da- uh, regarding um, uh, Rublev, Damien?
2: I don't think anything has changed much, you know, in my perception of Rublev, I suppose. Um, the the big sort of issue with him so far in his career has been the fact that uh, he cannot really beat his peers in the best, uh, like in the most important matches, right? Uh, the seven lost Grand Slam quarterfinals where twice he played uh, Rublev, uh, sorry Rublev. Uh, twice he played Chaltefo and Chilic, who were kind of peaking. But other than other than that, it was also, uh, you know, Medvedev, Zverev. Um, was there a Djokovic? I, I think there was a Nadal in it, um, Tsitsipas, and uh, yeah, he's just losing to these guys constantly in like the most important matches. Of course, of course, he's just scored his first win over Zverev, even his first set against the the German. Uh but yeah, uh Zverev just didn't really seem that um, you know, he didn't seem fully back, especially in terms of his his lateral movement, the way he was covering the court, which in the past used to be a, a bit a big issue for Rublev in that matchup, just just to try to hit through him. And honestly, I was expecting him to keep that Medvedev uh match, um that that final a little bit closer. Uh felt like uh the way he was returning, especially against Zverev. If he could just uh, replicate that, it would really give him some sort of a fighting chance. It didn't at all, uh, so it kinda joins the list, unfortunately, of uh, you know big matches that uh, Andrei Rublev has lost to the likes of Tsitsipas, Zverev, Medvedev, which have been many. And um, yeah, as as uh, as long as he cannot really beat these guys in um, in in the most important matches of his career he might, uh, you know, struggle to win that huge title, which he's kind of lacking. Of course, he's won plenty of 500s, but um, anything above that. And of course, he also hasn't been past the quarterfinal stage
3: at at the Grand Slam yet. Mario, what did you make of Medvedev? Uh, I, by the way, I, I've got an article here on the screen. Medvedev has subtle swipe at Sitsapas. Let me listen. I actually know the lady who hmm. wrote this article. She was my she was a lecturer, Carrie Dunn, here She, is. she was a lecturer at my university in London. So, um, but listen, Carrie, uh, you're uh, you're a great journalist, but I would probably say subtle is being very, very kind or, or very <laughs> yeah, underplaying it because there was nothing subtle about this at all. Um, <laughs> Hopefully Ruplev can beat him many times. Uh I, I thought it was very funny, Mario. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I found I found it funny. and um, to be honest, I I hated just a, a lot all the uh, the polemic stuff I, I read in comments, and for me it was just funny. And uh I I also like a bit of, of drama and some, some things. It it wasn't a real drama, it was just yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, of course he he could have avoided that, of course. But um, I don't know. I I I mean, for these things, I I don't find this too much. Um, so yeah, I I don't I to be honest, I don't have anything to to say in particularly. I. I was okay with that and I had fun, to be honest.
3: Yeah, yeah, me too. And just to, to, for those tuning in that are not quite aware of the backstory, there's no love loss between Medvedev and City Pass going back about three or four years. I think it was Miami uh, where they had a huge um, think, uh, yes. row after the match. And th- there's been a constant sort of trickle of, of, of jibes from both players. But what happened in particular regarding this was that in November of last year, City Pass loses to uh, Rublev and afterwards uh, says it's it's not good that he loses to a guy with so few tools and so Medvedev uh first of all uh quotes that exact same thing saying it's good that he prevailed with the few tools that he has and then goes on to say that I hope he beats said person Stefanos many many times. Uh yeah no I have no problem with it at all I thought it was very amusing. Um uh, but I do yeah, think also,
0: that I I just oh. think that uh, it's also a matter that uh, also, Rublev, uh, to be honest, didn't need that because yeah, there was that Monte Carlo final, but um, Rublev beat Tsitsipas six times, and so I think that he he knows that he can beat him in in some <laughs> days. But it, it was just it was still uh, for me a funny thing. I I had a laugh and Meet stopped. Me, mm. me too.
3: Okay, any other Dubai thoughts? Players that 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 made a mark for you that you wanted to highlight in this uh, show, Damien?
2: Uh, yeah, I guess I already closed like the, the you know the page with the Dubai results. So I'm not sure if I'm missing something, but I I, I don't think there was. I mean, uh, I think me both me and Mario did uh, commentary for Zverev Rublev, and we mm. uh, were sort of talking about you know the the, the German being um, no, no, well clearly not fully back yet. Uh, but definitely getting better. And I think that was yeah. probably one of the, you know, one of the main stories of the week as well. Otherwise, they were, there weren't, I think, any real like standout performance, f- performers who uh, surprised us in any way. You know, we kind of have to wonder what would have happened if Rublev, uh, <laughs> you know, lost to Davidovich Fokina because of course the the Spaniard had five consecutive match points, uh, which very rarely happens. You know, you, you basically need it in the tie break. Uh, So, um, you know, we kind of have to wonder what would have happened in that event uh, if Davidovich fokina won that match, but I I think it's pretty clear that the winner of the title would not have changed. Uh, You know, anyone coming from the bottom half was probably losing to to Daniel Medvedev.
3: Indeed. Okay, Uh, let's uh, switch to, let's go with, um, actually, let's go with uh, Acapulco. Um, there were some interesting moments and some interesting matches there to conclude. Uh, Alex De Minaur uh, won the title, beating yeah. Tommy Paul in three sets in the final. Tommy Paul beating uh, Taylor Fritz in the semi-final in three sets was also a standout moment. Uh, what are your thoughts on what we saw in Acapulco, Mario?
0: um well it it has been um, a funny tournament to be honest to to be a tennis fan because um also the latter stages of the event um has um, have been really really close in terms of battles uh, uh, i'm thinking about the two semi-finals also the second one with the rune and deminor um
3: mm-hmm.
0: but even uh, even the final had the uh, um had a few few very very good uh good moments uh, um probably um the third set wasn't so um so close as uh, as people would have expected but uh the final in it in himself was uh was quite good and i think that um deminor showed uh showed a great level but also tommy paul after uh probably the um, the defeat he suffered uh, in uh, in Derry Beach he wasn't uh, uh, very on point uh, during that week but after the semi-final reached at the Australian Open um, having uh, been in the final there in Mexico is also a very very good sign um, actually I, I've seen some some good signs also coming from from Taylor Fritz because he played some uh, um, some good matches against Shapovalov and tiafo and before losing that uh, that tapping one against uh, against Paul um so yeah i mean the time zone uh, doesn't doesn't help we uh, hmm. uh as european because the matches are from 1 a.m. till 7 a.m. but uh, but yeah for, for what i saw i i enjoyed uh, this tournament um probably then um, there weren't um the players like Djokovic and Medvedev that focused the attention. Um, but yeah, still was a was a fine week and the draw was uh, the level was higher probably last year, um, two years ago. But even this yeah. year, there were very, very good players. And there were also some nice stories, for example, uh, the, the little brother of um, Matteo Berrettini, Jacopo, yeah. uh, who won uh, his first match, um, of
2: course, lost well, one, yeah,
0: yeah, okay, yeah, but still, oh, the guy pulled out injured, right? Yeah, yeah, your okay. favorite
3: Oscar Otte. yeah, 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 my favorite Oscar yeah, yeah, but generally. still, at
0: least he qualified so he can, he can. Say that you want some some matches, some full matches. Uh, well, Mario,
3: just just quickly, ma- give me give me sixty seconds on Matteo Berrettini. Where are we at at the moment with him?
0: Mm, no, the my thumbs up is uh, because a lot of is um, a lot of players are uh, every day asking me is he okay? Is gonna play next week? So that was thumbs up. Okay. Um, regardless of that uh, I don't know what to take away from this Acapulco tournament to be honest because there, there has been only one full match against Elias Emer, and I think that Berettini can yeah I was expecting uh, expected a match like, like that
3: um, a year then... ago I would expect him to maybe win this tournament but not this time, really. No,
0: I, I, I have to be honest. I have, um, I was not so faithful. <laughs> uh, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I just think that we need to to see him in in this um, Masters now because what we saw in Acapulco was um, was not enough, in my opinion, to to have um, a clear judgment about. His, his tennis and so it's very difficult for me to 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 say in uh, uh to be to be sure about him because um, i i saw very 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 little stuff um, to be honest
2: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons
3: Yeah. Um, just quickly I've got this thing on the screen about Fritz's illness I guess it, I mean demonor won the title so I guess we we should sort of talk about that being a highlight but and I don't know if it's a low light or a highlight but basically Fritz had to vomit at one point uh yeah I so. Tommy Paul uh so we don't know if that'll be shown on Airflix because uh, Tommy Paul is currently being filmed but anyway listen uh any final thoughts on listen is, is what do we think about demonor um Damien is there a, a Masters 1000 for him out there or, or or a Grand Slam final at all, really? And if it is, where's it going to be? Wimbledon, maybe?
2: We'll just answer uh, Matthew, who asked about Cordon Brooksby. Uh, they are sure. both out of Indian Wells. And uh, yeah, they're okay. both injured and trying to make it back for Miami. So they're both still on the entrance for Miami, but we're going to see if they make it. Daminor, uh, you know, this... Draw honestly, uh, like for him, it was very soft. Um, okay. Pacheco Mendes, Jacopo Berettini, uh, they're not really, you know, Pacheco Mendes is 17 and of course a, a pretty nice prospect, but um, yeah, still not ready. Uh, Jacopo Berrettini, you know, he's he's not an ATP true player, let's let's be honest about that. And uh, yeah, then he just beat Taro Daniel, uh, he beat uh, Holger Rune, who was cramping in the third set, and of course, Tommy Paul coming off that uh marathon win over taylor fritz so uh it, you know com- especially compared to medvedev's dubai run it's uh it's not really close it's of course the biggest title of alex deminor's career and uh i mean he's made two 500 finals in the past uh losing to Federer and someone that i cannot remember right now uh but uh they were definitely like in stronger draws uh in terms of him uh being a potential masters thousand champion or uh grand slam finalist. uh If he gets a draw like this again, (laughs) maybe, but uh, of course, there. uh, even if uh, there are some things that he does, especially, of course, with the court coverage, with the foot speed, you know, maybe he's the fastest player on the tour, even. Uh, He has been trying to, like, uh, beef up his serve, you know, uh, try to be a lot more aggressive from the ground, but... Uh, He quickly loses control playing like that and uh, yeah, there are some super obvious limitations that, of course, have been keeping him down and I'm not sure that this will be, like, uh, resolved anytime soon, but of course very nice for him to get his, uh, the the biggest title of his career. And I also, I guess, I have to say that, well, uh, Rune was probably, until his injury, the the strongest uh, looking player in the field, but of course, uh, well, injury until his cramps, uh, not injury. And uh, also Kasper Ruud, I think, was a nice talking point uh, this week, uh, you know, trying to, uh, trying to get back into shape. Uh, he barely survived Guido Andriozzi, uh in the first round and then lost to Taro Daniel. Uh, this was Taro's first top 10 win, even though he actually beat Novak Djokovic in the past, but I think Djokovic was yeah. 13th in Indian Wells. Um, I, I've seen a lot of scoreboard watchers on Twitter, uh, you know, saying that uh, this was disgusting from Ruud uh, in that Daniel match. Uh, I, I, I don't think that's true at all. Like I, I, I really think that in the last two sets he was hitting his forehand uh, extremely well. Uh, he was also serving uh, great in both matches. So um, you know perhaps there's some hope there. But I think uh, Kasper Root's real hardcourt level is somewhere between what he's showing this year and uh, being a grand slam finalist, like uh, yeah, it, it wasn't his real, uh, you know, the, the the real ability that he has in hard courts in the in August or rather September two thousand twenty two, and it and it's not what he can do. Like what he's doing right now is also not his actual, uh, you know, tennis skills. It's it's somewhere between the, in the middle and exactly. Um, yeah, he's gonna try to. He's gonna have to try to recover from from this string of poor losses.
3: Yeah, he's a really, 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 really good tennis player. He's one of the top five, ten, fifteen in the world, and at various points, for me, at various moments. For me, Mario. that is
0: the difference. For me, that that's the difference between Rude and Deminor. For me, Rude has the weapons to uh, in some um, has better weapons than Deminor, uh, even if oh, they sure. both are uh, um, very, very nice tennis players, and and that's why. For me, Rude has been able to capitalize some chances and the other one not.
2: And yeah, the, uh, the top spin forehand of Kasper Rude is just an insane shot, 100%. And uh, you know, it, it's something that no one, even even uh, people who are even more um, sort of, um, you know, who underestimate Kasper Rude even more than I do, uh, they can't really even argue with this. For example, I think that the Turing uh-huh.
0: Turin court was perfect. Uh, for uh, for his tennis and um, I I remember um, the match he played against Taylor Fritz. I mean I agree with what Damien said, but I think that in in some conditions he can he can be he can be a very very important threat.
3: Okay. Yeah, next. ghosty
2: asks. Sorry, but ghosty, oh. i was just gonna say that ghosty asks who is more likely to make a grand slam final, Rude or rude. the Minor? And I rude. don't. I, yeah, I don't think that's a that's a
3: real question at all. I yeah, think he rude. was joking because yeah, it, it's not close. Yeah, no, Rude. Rude. Uh, and, and the thing is, Rude maybe just needs a half decent, not 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 amazing, but just one little thing to go his way in terms of the draw, and he can be in a grand slam final again, just like he was last year. I mean, I would say Quite. in both. Yeah would oh, say exactly with New York and at the French Open last year. Tsitsipas goes out at the French Open. His form is a long way off. And then Casper Rude is the next most likely person to make the final on that side of the draw. Yeah. Whether he wins one at the end of his career, I'm not so sure. But that's for another day. I want to get over because we've only got 10 more minutes uh, before I have to go. I want to switch over very quickly to the women's. Uh, Marta Kostyuk won her first WTA title last week in Austin, Texas. Austin, of course, is the home of Lance Armstrong. But there uh, the comparisons between Kostiuk and Lance Armstrong must end because otherwise I might get sued and the channel will come down. Uh, but listen, Kostyuk had a great, great, great win. Uh, she, you know, beat Brengel en route, uh, including Begling Brengel in the third set. Daniel Collins is probably the standout victory for her. There was no loss between her and Gracheva, of course, in the final where she... Uh, where there was no handshake, et cetera, and a lot of Twitter melt, melted down over that for one reason or another. Uh, where are we on, on Kostiuk, Mario? Is she, you know, is, is there, are we going to see a, a huge step forward for her this year? I think there was a lot of optimism about her in her teens. Um, she's now just turned 20, I believe. Uh, where are we at? Uh, in fact, she's going to be 21 in June. Where are we at with uh, Marta Kostiuk? And, and and tell me something about her, Mario okay
0: so um, the final was not so convincing in my opinion okay. uh, from both player but understandable uh, it was understandable um she played um, she played well this week I'm thinking about uh, the the big step forward that you are mentioning uh mm, I mean I think that for sure she can be um she can be ranked higher than she is now, uh, but uh, I'm also thinking about some of her performances I saw uh, before this week in the Australian Open. For example, um, she's playing well all well, year, more or less. But uh, um, I I don't know if she's going to be ready to be a top. Uh, 15 20 player even in two or three years to be honest i think she she has to to work a lot on her tennis in my opinion to to adjust some things that against some kind of players uh, make the the job very very difficult for her mm, that's my opinion but i i i like her tennis um, but I'm I'm not sure he is going to. She's going to to put all the things uh, together. Let's see. Let's see. If she she can can make this.
3: Any thoughts on uh, Marta Kostuk, Mario? Uh, sorry, Damien. Before we move over to um, uh, the Monterey. I mean, I'm a little
2: more optimistic. Uh, you know, as you said, since she made uh, Australian Open third round in 2018. Uh, she was at 15 years of age. I mean, she was always looked as as uh, at as some sort of a huge prospect, and I think that's still the case. Uh, she has though lacked like the ability to win win her WTA title, which right now, of course, she's done it, and also um, get that first top ten win. She's currently zero and 13 against top ten players, uh, even though she's come close on multiple occasions, like the two matches against Belinda Benchich uh, just last month. Uh, you know, she she has been there. She has been very close to these sort of achievements and uh, hopefully it's just going to be like a flood right now. But um, I don't know <laughs> if if that's going to happen. But, um, you know, of course, she's capable of like getting big runs, uh, deep runs at, at huge events. And uh, hopefully we're going to see it just on a more regular basis. Hopefully it's going to be like just, uh, you know, she took that step and is going to be able to go go forward with it right now
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app
0: and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
3: Uh, over in Monterey, we had Donna Vekic, who's been having a, a quietly, maybe slightly louder than quiet, if there is something between quiet and loud uh, year, because I think she had a pretty good Australian Open. Uh, she went out to Sabalenka there, but the first set was really, really close. Um, and of course, Sabalenka, we all know how uh, she ended up with winning that tournament. Um, so we had Donna Vekic winning uh, over there with her uh, WTA 250, beating Garcia in the final as well, um, possibly in terms of her run to the final. Uh, I mean, beating uh, Caroline Garcia is a, is a huge win in the final, 7-5 in the third set. By the way, she was looked like she was in a spot of bother in her first round match. Uh, I'm not familiar in terms of the match, but she was lost the first set 6-2 uh, and got a walkover, basically, because her her opponent pulled up lame, at uh, Tsurenko. So there, there you go. Things can change uh, very quickly in tennis, and so much so she goes on to win the tournament. Caroline Garcia, though, Mario, I will get to Vekic in a second. Caroline Garcia, there is a, since that win at the WTA finals last year, you know, she went out to um, the Polish Lynette, of course, in Australia. Uh, she's now lost here in this final to Vekic, when many people maybe would have expected her to win. What do we think about Garcia at the moment? And it was especially coming up with the Sunshine Double uh, in the next couple of weeks, Mario.
0: Um, I I will never be shocked about some ups and downs from, from Garcia because... Uh, we know her very, very, very well. Um, we know that she can, she can have some truly amazing runs and uh, and outplaying uh, literally everyone. But uh, we also know that um, she. She can also struggle in some some periods and some some stretch of the years. Like for example, um, she was she was pretty down. For example, before uh, the second half of uh, of 2022, and uh, her start of the year is not um, is not really bad because she she won some she won some matches. She's been in two finals, even in if in two two hundred and fifty events. So um, I will not say that Garcia had a horrible start of the week. I don't think so. Uh, also losing to Dona Vekic, uh, you can lose to Dona Vekic in, uh, in a hardcore final. Um, probably I would say that even if she lost these finals, probably uh, this has been um, her most con- consistent week probably in terms of, uh, of level um because even when she reached the final in lyon i i didn't like so much what i saw from uh coming from here while um this week uh, coming into the final she had some some good performances um yeah i think that um she can turn it up when when she when she wants. To be honest, because uh, we know that when her confidence is high, she can uh, she can do amazing things. Probably she needs to uh, to try to uh, to to be a little more patient in some days when things are not working so well. But it's difficult to say because when you uh, when your game plan um led you to to win some titles uh and to beat some kind of players it's also difficult for you to to rely on other game plans that you don't know if they can work um, on your um... so i i i'm an i am so so about uh her start What's of the coaching
3: year. situation at the moment um either of you know
0: um yeah she i uh, um I uh, I don't remember who who is her coach. Uh, so she, she
3: she fired or or separated from her coach, I should yeah. say, last year. Um, yeah, it was his decision. October.
0: I know, I know, it's it has been wasn't. his decision.
3: Okay, okay, so she separated from her coach last year for one reason or another. I know she didn't have a coach for the for the last couple of months of the season, uh, but I wasn't quite sure where that situation was. Do you know, Damien?
2: um i mean i think there was someone who was announced for like 2023 but is it still the case uh yeah juan pablo guzman um but that i I don't know if they're actually like um you know, haven't really paid attention as he like sitting at their matches. Juan Pablo Guzman is, of course, a, a former player himself. I think he was even in the top one hundred briefly. Um, um, yeah. Uh, anything that I should? Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want you know, to add anything talk about to
3: Monterey, because I've got sixty seconds um,
2: basically. So. Oh, 60 seconds on Monterey, uh, Jesus Christ! Uh, yeah, Vekic. I mean, there's nothing quiet about her. I think since San Diego last year, I mean, the woman okay. is twenty-one and four, and I think uh, fourteen and two this year. So you know, there's nothing quiet about it. Of course, she's a phenomenal ball striker. Of course, she was kind of hampered by injuries throughout her career, and uh, yeah, and and right now she's uh, just uh, she's just utilizing that potential that she has. Yeah, Garcia, even though she maybe isn't at her 2022 levels yet, uh, this is still like the, the 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 period since June 2022. This is still the best, the most consistent uh, patch of her career. So. I, I don't I have nothing to you know not, not nothing wrong to say about her. We've never seen her produce um on so many occasions over the course of eight nine months. So uh yeah, keep going, keep doing the same, frankly. Maybe just adjust that returning position sometimes against big servers like Parks in the Lyon final, but otherwise <laughs> yeah. go ahead. And of course Monterey was in slight altitude, so that's perfect for Garcia as well. And to an extent for
3: Vekic, but maybe not as much as as for the French woman. One thing, uh, of course, in Mexico, and perhaps it's because it's for men only, uh, they don't stuff that uh, that big sombrero on their, uh, on their heads. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether that is a, a, a men-only thing because I think I've seen sombreros on women's heads too. So at least they don't do that in Monterrey, unlike Acapulco. Uh, I always see tennis players looking rather awkward with those those sombreros on. But of course, they've won a title, so I guess they shouldn't care. Um, listen, guys, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining me today. Uh, I will be doing an Indian Wells preview in sometime tomorrow, so we've basically avoided that topic. But of course, there's lots and lots to look forward to in the next couple of weeks with that sunshine double. Uh, here we go. Uh, Mexico is not for men only. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean Mexico, ghosty. I mean uh, the sombreros. But thank you very much. Uh, listen, guys, thank you for stopping by today. Thank you. Thank and, you. We
2: didn't talk about Santiago
3: and I'm sad, but... Oh, I'm um, sorry, yeah. Damien. Go on, give me a topic for some, another day. Give something, me something, no, no, no. Give yeah, me something it, on Santiago because Jari, of course, winning there. Go 60 on,
2: seconds is not enough. 60 seconds is not enough.
3: I, I, it's it's, have got to, got to, I'm sorry, guys. To You're going to have already, to miss it. You're going to have to miss it. All right, Damien. I'm going to be late anyway. So, listen, guys, thanks very much. Jari, I'm really sorry. Lo siento mucho a uh, señor Jari, um <laughs> pero tenemos que tenemos que dejar este uh, capítulo de de nuestro canal aquí pero uh, espero que tengo Christoph uh, cri- señor Jarry espero que estás aquí en, en nuestro canal un día pronto uh, i hope to have him on the show someday soon uh, listen um i've not reached out to him by the way so don't everyone don't get all excited that i've got Jari coming on the show um <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Anyway, maybe I'll maybe on the back of this episode I'll reach out to him and. So we can Maybe, write maybe he
2: down. will reach out to you actually. You know, I'm maybe, sure he'll be maybe... really
3: angry right now. He'll be tweeting saying, "Why did not you mention my <laughs> Santiago title?" You're right.
2: How often does he listen to a show and then suddenly someone starts talking in Spanish to him? You know, it's well exactly. It, it's that. That.
3: And, and by the way, yeah. he vivido in Chile también. studied in Santiago, the Chile, mi máster the de, de, de periodismo y globalización, mm-hmm. pues. Yeah, tenemos una conexión por eso. Okay, listen, guys, uh, I'm going to get going because otherwise we'll be here all (laughs) night. And uh, yeah, we don't want to listen to me speak Spanish all night. So big, big, big thanks to you guys for stopping by and I'll speak to you both very soon. Bye. Ciao. Bye. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis.